Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. I hope you had a good holiday weekend. We've got the best running back in the NFL lined up for this week's show. Jonathan Taylor, Pro Bowl running back for the Indianapolis Colts. He led the NFL in rushing last season with 1,811 rushing yards. He also had 18 touchdowns. He's a franchisee for Topper's Pizza. He owns a store in Madison, Wisconsin, where he starred at the University of Wisconsin. We cover a bunch of topics in our conversation with Taylor, including the criteria Taylor looks for when making a business investment, why he chose Topper's Pizza to invest in, his Pro Bowl season last year with the Colts. He's got a new quarterback, Matt Ryan, who used to be with the Falcons for many years. We talk about that. And we even get his thoughts on NIL and the Big Ten adding USC and UCLA to the conference. So lots coming up with Jonathan Taylor on our show today. Always love when we have the best of the best. Join us, Griggs. How are you? Doing good. And I agree. Uh, he's a beast on the field, but, uh, you know, has a lot of good things going off the field, too. And I love the question you ask when we have athletes on about, you know, what they look at when they're looking at investors. It's always interesting to see what they because he chose the pizza place. Like, why does he like the pizza place? I always love the story behind their decision. So it's a fun interview. Yeah, I mean, he's still a very big deal in Madison, Wisconsin. So the fact that he has this there is great. Uh, there's a charitable component tied into what he's doing with his pizza store, Topper's Pizza in Madison, Wisconsin. So we'll get into that as well. But uh, yeah, good timing to have him on with uh, USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. So let's start there with our Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. Last Thursday night, Big Ten University presidents voted to accept the applications of USC and UCLA to join the conference, really marking a seismic shift on the college athletics landscape. The Trojans and Bruins are going to leave the Pac-12 for the Big Ten in 2024. And now there's this huge footprint for the Big Ten. And it expands all the way out to Southern California. Really, you're taking the two most high-profile schools in the Pac-12 and that huge L.A. media market, Griggs, and moving it to the Big Ten. Why is this important? Because 
Right now, the Big Ten is renegotiating their TV deal with Fox. And when you add this LA market, it could add up to over a billion dollars per year for the Big Ten. So, you know, we always talk in college sports, you're you're kind of casting for a TV show when you can cast USC and UCLA in your TV show if you're the Big Ten. That's a huge move for them. Oh, yeah. You're getting two of the biggest, you know, A-list actors right there because that market is massive and they're just two iconic programs. Obviously, USC with new coaching, the recruiting's picking up. They're going to get better. It's just going to be, uh, it's big for the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, no surprise, college sports, especially in the football world, is changing constantly. It's like every season we talk about the next move, the next coaching move. These coaches are staying for a year and moving to the next one. The recruiting stuff, NIL. Now you've got these you know, top five conferences that are expanding out and making some of these other conferences maybe a little less, you know, big and iconic. So, man, I mean, the story is going to continue to grow and it's going to be interesting to see what the Pac-10, I guess, now <laughs> is going to do moving forward. Yeah, so lots of layers there. First of all, I want to invite our listeners to listen to my interview with Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren last year, late last year. Really insightful, very bright guy. Um, and, you know, kind of the mastermind of this deal to bring in USC and UCLA. And, you know, when I saw the headline, I almost thought it was fake news. I was like, wait a minute, how does that footprint expand all the way out from, you know, the Midwest and even part of the East all the way out to the Pacific coast? And, you know, again, if you're booking a TV show, you want the best schools, the most storied programs, you want markets like LA. And if that's going to help you get to that billion dollars a year, then, you know, that's why they're doing this. As you mentioned, Griggs, this is devastating for the Pac-12, now the Pac-10. You know, are they going to lose Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten or to the Big 12? Really, you know, if you remember our conversation uh, earlier in the year with Kirk Herbstreet from ESPN, we talked about the formation of super conferences. Well, now you've got two of them. You've got the Big Ten and you've got the SEC. And the SEC is, everyone recalls, took Oklahoma and Texas last year. And, you know, now you've got the SEC is a juggernaut. The Big Ten is a juggernaut. And then there's everyone else. And, you know, is the Big 12 who just hired Brett Yormark, who's formerly of the Brooklyn Nets and Rock Nation as their commissioner, are they going to try and poach Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Arizona State, like, you know, are they going to get the scraps off the Pac-10 heap? Um, you know, is the Pac-10 even going to exist? There's also questions about travel. You know, if you're USC and UCLA, you're not really in that travel footprint for the Big Ten. So now there's going to be a bunch of additional costs. What is that schedule going to look like? But, you know, it was interesting. Um, you know, Jake Olson, who was on with us a few weeks ago from USC, you know, he tweeted out, like, look, if you're a student athlete, you want to play when the most number of people are watching you. And if you're playing for the Pac-12, you're playing late at night. You're playing, you know, games that aren't seen on the East Coast. You're, it's harder for you to win the Heisman Trophy. It's harder for you to get NIL deals. Now what this does for USC and UCLA is they're going to be much more visible to the rest of the country. And this is going to be good for those student athletes. But they're going to have to travel a whole lot, Griggs. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, Big Ten always has those 9 a.m. games, the noon games. You get that national audience in the morning, and Pac-12 gets the 7.45 kickoff. So that, that's the dagger right there. 
anyway. And now you're losing these two big schools, which is, you know, recruiting and getting these big athletes over to the West Coast. And he had travel. I was thinking about that over the weekend, like, man, every game these guys are going to be playing, they're going to be traveling halfway across the country or even further. It's going to be like a, a bowl game almost every single weekend. That's going to be tough to see, too. And do they stay longer in these cities? You know, where are they practicing when they're in these cities? So I think there's a lot that, you know, the normal person's not going to see necessarily that's going to be uh, playing in these roles for these big schools moving to other conferences. Well, and what's going to be interesting, too, is you've got the revenue generating sports, which are football and basketball. If this is truly going to be uh, a deal that encompasses all sports, you know, when women's tennis or lacrosse or soccer has to travel across the country and you've got all the expenses that go with that because they're playing in that Big Ten footprint from USC and UCLA, that's going to cost a lot of money. So, you know, when you're doing these TV deals, when you're doing deals like this, you've got to factor in the entire athletic department, not just the revenue generators like football and basketball. So um, it's going to be interesting to watch. But again, you've got the formation of these super conferences. The other thing that this does, Griggs, is this is really the death of the NCAA. There's no reason to have the NCAA anymore. I've got friends there. You know, I, I don't want anyone to lose their jobs, but you know, you've got these two mega conferences here. And I just don't know that uh, those conferences need the oversight of the NCAA anymore. Maybe the NCAA is overseeing smaller entities. You know, is it the WCC and uh, the Mountain West and, and conferences like that? But you think the Big Ten and the SEC at the very least they're going to govern themselves. They're going to make their own TV deals. They're going to make their own rules. They don't need the oversight of the NCAA. And, and really what this also does is this further professionalizes sports, right? You know, we've talked about how things have changed since the early 60s when a lot of these rules were put in place by the NCAA. Now you've got multi-billion dollar TV deals that the Big Ten is probably going to sign i mean anyone who wants to call this amateur athletics anymore give me a break like the the number figures the dollar figures that are associated with the sec and the big 10 are astronomical yeah and like you said each one of these conferences has their own commissioners they have their own staff they've got the people to handle what the ncaa is doing that that's just not needed it's like an extra group of people in the meeting that doesn't need to be at the meeting you know it's like there's just no need for it and uh and i think it's yeah, I think it's going to pro- pro- probably slowly kill off the NCAA. And I think that's probably a good thing because like you and I have talked about on the show many times, why do we need to keep doing something that's been done since the 50s when we right. can make it better now and adapt to what's going on now? It just doesn't need to be around. Yeah, it's a whole different world. All right. Speaking of billions of dollars, NBA free agency opened uh, on July 1st. And Griggs, I've got a list of some of the biggest deals. Um, you know, I'm sure our listeners have followed many of them, but let me just rattle off some of these numbers. I mean, it's just, it's comic book numbers here. So two-time NBA MVP, Nikola Jokic signed a five-year Supermax deal, keeping him in Denver with the Nuggets, $264 million. So he's now the highest paid player in the NBA. He's going to be making $60 million. And I think the last year of that deal, $60 million for one year, Griggs. Uh, John Morant agrees to a five-year extension with the Memphis Grizzlies worth $213 million. Devin Booker signs a four-year extension with the Suns worth $224 million. Bradley Beal remains in Washington with the Wizards on a five-year $251 million deal. 
Zach Levine, we have met him and seen him in Chicago before, remains in Chicago with the Bulls on a five-year, $215 million deal. Here's one that was interesting. Zion Williamson re-signs with New Orleans Pelicans on a five-year deal that could reach $231 million with incentives. Griggs, he's only played, you know, I think it's 85 games in two years. So this is a huge risk for the Pelicans, but he was the number one pick. He is a marketable asset. You know, could you see him moved in a trade for Kevin Durant now that he's signed, sealed, and delivered? He's much more attractive as a trade commodity. But, yeah, this is one of those, as I tweeted out, bet your job deals for David Griffin, the GM of the Pelicans. If it works out, he's genius and brilliant and great job keeping Zion in New Orleans. Um, If it doesn't work out, you know, you sign Greg Oden and, you know, you're paying him $231 million and it cripples your franchise. So that's a really risky deal there with high upside and and very low downside. Uh, Darius Garland, the guard who made the all-star team for the Cleveland Cavaliers last year, re-signed with the Cavs on a five-year deal that could reach $231 million with incentives. Carl Anthony Towns agrees to a four-year deal with the Timberwolves. That's worth $224 million. Griggs, the T-Wolves also acquired center Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz in exchange for multiple first-round picks. And if that's what the Jazz got for Rudy Gobert, I can only imagine the haul of picks that the Nets may get for Kevin Durant, which we'll get to in a minute. Jalen Brunson moves from the Mavericks to the Knicks on a four-year $110 million deal. And Griggs, this is noteworthy because the Knicks could be penalized for tampering, according to several reports. Also worth noting, CAA, the agency, uh, Jessica Holtz, she was the first woman agent to secure a max deal for an NBA player. And she did two in the same day, Devin Booker and Carl Anthony Towns, who both played at Kentucky. So congratulations to Jessica Holtz for making history. And then Griggs, the other big NBA news of the week, really kind of overshadowed the uh, signings that I just mentioned was Kevin Durant has requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are seeking an all-star and several first-round picks for Durant, according to sources. Durant has four more years on his deal. So, Griggs, we've never really seen anything like this, where a player of Durant's caliber um, who has four years remaining on a contract, usually a player says, hey, you know, I want to be traded and it's the last year of their deal. And the team is like, well, I better trade them and get something for them versus losing them for nothing. Durant has four years left on a deal. He just opted into a deal a year ago, but he went directly to Joe Sy, the owner of the Nets and says, I want out. And Kyrie Irving opted into a $36 million deal last week with the Nets. But most people think if KD is not there, Kyrie will also be shipped out and they'll just have a reboot and Brooklyn. And what was so promising last year, Griggs, the Nets were the favorite to win the NBA championship last year with James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. Now that team may be blown up and they won a total of one playoff series in three years with that super team. Pretty disappointing to say the least. Yeah, big time. I mean, they basically had the all-star team there in Brooklyn and a major market, great arena, great fans, and it just couldn't, they couldn't do anything. Obviously, they aren't happy there as they're requesting trades and 
blowing things up there. But man, I mean, those deals this last week were just uh, astronomical. I mean, obviously the NBA has moved into the 200, you know, category. Now, if you don't get a deal in the NBA, if it's over 200, 200 million, apparently, because that's what <laughs> they all seem to be. Uh, I think the big one for me that just surprised a lot of people was the Rudy Gobert. You know, that was just kind of, I didn't see that one coming and the list that, you know, they gave up for that, but he's, what a star. I mean, he is absolutely massive. He's a great player, defensive master and uh, him and cat now together. That's quite a, a nice big towers there in Minnesota. Well, and it's worth noting that there's new ownership in Minnesota. So they're being very aggressive with what they're doing. I'm not sure if paying my two centers a combined $424 million is the right way to go. If you look at the Western conference, is Minnesota really going to break through and crack that, you know, elite top four or five, and you're paying your two centers $424 million. It's a lot of money, but it is a bold move by the Timberwolves. I'm not surprised that Utah traded Gobert. I think I'll be really surprised if they don't trade Donovan Mitchell too. I think they're going to rebuild. Danny Ainge is leading the way now. Uh, You know, he did this in Boston and kind of rebuild with draft picks, which turned into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, you know, some really good draft picks, Robert Williams, Marcus Smart. So he knows how to rebuild through the draft. And I think Utah is kind of hitting the reset button. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been an interesting landscape. I mean, out of all of those signings that I just talked about, I mean, there's really only one, Jalen Brunson, that wasn't a re-signing with their own team. So, you know, a lot of times fans like to see players changing teams. That's why I think everyone's so excited about, hey, what's Kevin Durant going to do? What's Kyrie Irving going to do? But Everyone else on the list I just mentioned, you know, they have more incentive to stay with their own team. You're going to get a year additional and you can get more money with your own team if you stay with them than by going to a different team. So really not a lot of movement on the market. But I do think the Kevin Durant trade, which will probably happen here in the next week or so, is going to unleash several other dominoes that will fall after that. You know, what's going to happen to DeAndre Ayton? He might be in this deal. There's a lot of other moving parts, but, you know, I think the Nets want to get this done sooner than later. They want to make the best deal for them. They are in the driver's seat because again, Durant has four years left on his deal. What's he going to sit out the next four years and and not play? And, you know, like, I just don't see that happening. So I think they're going to take the best deal for them. They're not going to send Kevin Durant to necessarily the best place for him. Um, You know, Phoenix and Miami have been mentioned as options, but those are very complex deals because of contracts on the other end. So it will be interesting to see where he winds up. Some people think he might be back in Golden State, which would be interesting. I mean, gosh, if you want to go back in time, he should have never left there to begin with. I mean, if you're going to leave Steph Curry, you better think long and hard about it. The Warriors obviously just won the title without Durant, showed they could win a title without KD. Um, And not to mention when he was living in the Bay Area, not that he's not still getting great deals with his business partner, Rich Kleiman, but I mean, they were killing it in the Bay Area with tech deals and uh, Postmates and all of these things. They had the creme de la creme deals. They met a lot of people while they were in Silicon Valley. So from a business standpoint, he probably, you know, made as much money off the court with those investments as he did on the court. So would it make sense for him to go back to Golden State? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch, but it's going to shape it's going to shape and change the landscape of the NBA with what he does. 
Well, you know, it's always we talk about too, especially the big leagues, the NFL and the NBA. It's a it's a three sixty five now. I mean, it's like right. There's always movement. There's always money deals being made, arenas being built. It's just there's constantly news, and it's great. I mean, I think it keeps fans engaged. It keeps obviously the media engaged. There's always something to follow. And uh, I agree with, like you said, about some of these big names staying with their teams. That's huge for fans. It's huge for Jersey sales. It's huge for the, the community NBA when you get these big names staying in their markets and playing for another four years, five years. So I think that's really cool to see. But uh, yeah, obviously Durant's the big news now. See where he ends up and what that uh, changes in the landscape. I'm in Washington, D.C. this week as we record this. And, you know, you look at someone like Bradley Beal. Hey, he gets his money. He's been here his entire career. But is he ever going to play for a winner? Probably not if he stays here in Washington with the Wizards. So, you know, you kind of wonder, like, would it have made more sense for him to say, you know what, I'm going to give up that one year on my deal and probably about $50 million and I'm going to go play for the Celtics or the Blazers or, you know, somewhere where he might have had a chance to win some games and make the playoffs because it doesn't look good for him making the playoffs with the Wizards. But, you know, bird in the hand, Griggs, you know, if someone came to me and said, you're leaving $50 million on the table. I'd probably think twice about that too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when there's that kind of money, it's not like, Hey, here's five bucks. It's, you know, 50 million for a season. So it's kind of a big deal and, you know, definitely plays a role into where you're going to, you know, dribble the basketball next season, even if it's not in a quote winning market, but uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to watch. I'm, I'm tuned in all summer just watching this stuff. All right. A few more headlines to get to Mike Greer is expected to be named the GM of the San Jose Sharks making him the first black GM in the history of the NHL. That's really remarkable. Um, It's also noteworthy that Greer's brother, Chris, is the GM of the NFL's Miami Dolphins. So you've got a brother tandem, one GM of an NHL team, the San Jose Sharks, the other GM of the Miami Dolphins. That's pretty cool, Griggs. It is cool. And that uh, I, I think it's awesome for San Jose. That's just a what an iconic move. And it's awesome for the NHL. It should have happened forever ago. But hey, we're there now. And it's it's just cool. I think that just needs to be blown up. And San Jose is a fun market. They love their sharks. It's a it's a good little NHL niche down there. So I think that's going to be really fun to see how that progresses. All right. Our last sports business headline of the week. David Highhill. He was previously the NFL's VP of strategy and analytics. He has been named the NFL's first vice president and general manager of sports betting. High Hill will be responsible for insulating the game's integrity from potential gambling-related issues, building the league's betting brand, increasing the value of the NFL's data and intellectual property, and increasing fan engagement, this according to ESPN. So, Griggs, sports betting is becoming such a big part of these leagues. They do need to protect the integrity. They've got all this data that they can release. And, uh, you know, I think that's a good hire for the NFL. There's probably more money wagered on NFL games than any other league in America. So, you know, that's a big job. And the fact that this is the first person to do that job shows you where this is all going for the NFL and really all the sports leagues. Yeah, and I think this is the first of many. You're going to start seeing more of these hires, and they're probably going to start forming committee. I mean, it's, it's only going to get bigger. Obviously, betting is going to dominate the sports world and already has been showing to do that. So I think, uh, yeah, big job for him, and it's going to be a changing job. I think there's so much to learn there for everybody. So it'll be interesting to see how he does it, how the NFL does it, and you know the rights deals and media stuff we've talked about too, uh, stadium deals even now. I mean, it's just crazy. It's growing. It's going to get bigger, and uh, I think you'll see more leagues starting to hire the betting, uh, the betting leaders for sure. 
Well, speaking of betting, it was interesting. I went to the Washington Nationals game uh, the other night, and you know, it was at Nationals ballpark, beautiful ballpark. Um, I probably couldn't name three players from either teams. It was the Nationals and the Marlins, two you know upstart teams that have pretty much gutted their franchises. Juan Soto, the star for the Nationals, got hurt running out of ground ball like in the third inning, so he was out. But lo and behold, in the outfield, you've got a bet MGM sports book. So like all these stadiums and arenas are putting in sports books and you can go and, you know, you've got the app on your phone. You know, we're underdog fantasy all the way, but it is interesting to see when you go into these stadiums and arenas. Now sports betting is a huge part of it. Also part of my experience. Uh, I had a chili dog Ben's chili, which is big in the DC area. It was good. Wasn't the best chili I've ever had, but it was it was good. Um, they had a Shake Shack, Griggs. You would have liked that. So they had a triple play shake that had all kinds of good things in that. I had one of those. I kind of broke my my diet rule. I figured, how many Major League Baseball games do I get to? I got to have a, a triple play shake from uh, Shake Shack while I'm there. For sure. That's kind of my rule, too. If you go to a ball game or a ballpark, you don't really have a diet. You get to just kind of enjoy it. You know, I got to have a dog of some sort when I go to a ball game. Shake Shack. I mean, yeah, I'm in for that, too. So, uh, yeah, your pictures looked amazing. The field looks stunning. I love the lance, how they cut the grass. There is just awesome. It looked like a really fun day for sure. Yeah, no, it's a fun ballpark. Um, and, you know, they love the Nationals here in D.C. And it's really sad because, like, you know, you still see a lot of people wearing Max Scherzer jerseys and he went to the Mets. Griggs, they won in 2019. They never got their parade, really. You know, they they didn't get to soak in the sun of winning a championship because of the pandemic. So, um, you know, it, it's, I don't know. They, and then the players like Scherzer move on. So, you know, they won, which was great, but they didn't get like maximum celebration capacity. So that kind of sucks for them. But um, it's still, it was a fun ballpark. and. Um, you know, lots of great pictures in the ballpark and uh, food items and uh, families. And, you know, look, the Nats aren't very good this year and, and there were still a good turnout. Um, it was a sunny day. So, yeah, well worth the afternoon hanging out at Nats ballpark. I am probably going to make my way over to uh, one of my favorite universities in America, Georgetown University, later today. I just love walking around that campus. I am a proud alum of Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. But if I could go back and go to a second university or like have a different college experience, I totally would have gotten Georgetown. It is just one of the coolest campuses. Georgetown itself is a really cool little town. Um, so, yeah, the Hoyas, go Hoyas. Yeah, it's an iconic uh, university for sure. I've never been to D.C., but man, there's a list of mile long of things I'd like to see. That's one of them, too, because you've just always heard about Georgetown. You see them on TV, always had storied basketball programs and and other athletics. But uh, yeah, D.C., there's no shortage of things to do there and things to see for sure in, in Washington. Well, I saw the fireworks and they were pretty cool. I saw them from a rooftop. Uh, so you got a really great view of the Washington Monument and the Capitol. And um, that was cool to see. And then. Uh, later this week, Griggs, I've seen the monuments and everything, but I haven't seen them at night. So I'm going to take a bike ride on this tour and I'm going to go see the monuments at night on the bike ride. So I'm kind of uh, excited to do that. I know it's a little touristy, but, you know, when when you're 
uh, in DC, you got to see some of these things. I've seen the Smithsonian's and all of that stuff. So uh, I kind of just jacked up for this, uh, this bike ride. Sounds fun. I love it. Everything at night in those big cities is better. We've seen it in New York. I mean, Manhattan at night is just uh, iconic and yeah, the big cities light up so well at night. So that'll be fun. And just wear the helmet. Don't, you know, face plant if you can help it, but uh, sounds like a fun time. <laughs> all right. Yeah. No face plants. All right. Coming up next, Jonathan Taylor, Pro Bowl running back for the Indianapolis Colts. We'll talk about his terrific season last year. He led the NFL in rushing. Also, He's going to be joining me from Topper's Pizza in Madison, Wisconsin, where he owns a store there, and he starred at the University of Wisconsin. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Brian Berger here. Roan is the new official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. I love their product. I've been a fan for a long time. Did you know David Stern was one of their first investors? Roan makes the absolute highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable performance-driven clothing for men. Their entire line places emphasis on an active, balanced, and purpose-driven lifestyle. I'm wearing my spar joggers. I've got them in uh, heather gray. I've got them in navy. I've got my moleskin commuter slim pant. I've got my regular black commuter pant. I've got my dress shirts. So when I'm out in in-person meetings, I have the nicer Roan product to wear. But most of the time, I'm working from home. And I've got my rain long sleeve gray heather camo. I've got my rain long sleeve hoodies. I am wearing the shorts for workouts, the seven-inch Mako shorts. So I'll tell you what, from top to bottom, whether it's casual or business wear, Roan has me covered. I know they're going to have you covered too. And Roan is offering Sports Business Radio podcast listeners 15% off your purchase. Go to Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com and enter code SBR15 at checkout, like Sports Business Radio 15, SBR15 at checkout. Receive 15% off your purchase. That's Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com and enter promo code SBR15 at checkout. My guest is Jonathan Taylor, Indianapolis Colts Pro Bowl running back. He rushed for 1,811 yards last year. He led the entire NFL with 18 touchdowns. He's a franchisee with Topper's Pizza, and he owns a franchise in Wisconsin where he starred at the University of Wisconsin. Jonathan, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing well, Brian. How about yourself? I appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, all right, so how did you become a franchise owner of Topper's Pizza? What was it about Topper's Pizza that made you want to invest? So number one, uh, you just look at something that you can get in on the ground floor that has a high profile margin. Um, and number two, something you have to be passionate about. I feel like anything you invest in, you, you really have to, to truly care and be passionate about it. So I used to live right down in the street from Toppers. It got me through a lot of evenings, a lot of afternoons here in Madison. So, you know, when I got presented with the opportunity to get involved with Toppers, it was a no-brainer for me because one, I knew the culture, I knew what they were about. And then after sitting down with the owner, Scott, and being able to discuss with him and, and pick his brain a little bit, it was a no-brainer for me. I would imagine you get presented with a lot of opportunity to invest and be a part of something. 
you know, you just mentioned you're familiar with Topper's Pizza, but what are some of the elements that you look for when you're going to make an investment? One of the first things I look at is, is this something that can be sustainable? And the way I figure out if something can be sustainable is I kind of asked about their core values. And one of the things that me and Scott talked about were their core values. And he mentioned, you know, he likes to bring in people that live with integrity. He likes to have people in the building that have passion. He likes people in the building that like to have fun. And, and when I think, when I thought about it, it's, you know, if you have integrity, you know, are you doing the right things when no one is watching? Are you passionate about what you are doing? And if you can have fun while doing those two things, that's a recipe for something amazing. So, you know, understanding and, and knowing the culture and the kind of uh, members that we have here in Topper's organization, I felt like it was a recipe for success, you know, and no matter what you're doing, whether it's a piece of business, whether it's a phone business, I feel like that's a recipe for success. Now, you're having a special day there today in Wisconsin. You have a lot of people coming through. You've got a charitable component where you're donating to a nonprofit there in Wisconsin. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so so, it, so it's the Loosers Family Community Center. And I actually first got connected with this center with my roommate, Jesse Cohn. He had an internship there one summer, and I was able to go there and interact with the kids at the community center. And when I saw the look on their faces, and at the time were sophomores, their faces lit up and not because we were badgers, but because we were like big brothers to them. So that was a pivotal point because it, it allowed me to see that it's way bigger than football. If you have a chance to truly change a young person's life, you're a, a young kid's role model. So that was a real pivotal point for myself. So when it was time to to come back and give back to the Madison community, it was a no-brainer for me. It was my number one choice. Who were some of your role models? Who helped you get to where you are today? So 100%, some of my role models are, of course, Corey Clement, who is from the South Jersey area, like myself. So being able to watch him in high school and then watch him have success at the University of Wisconsin and then him have obtained his dreams he was a huge role model for me. And then once I kind of understood the really fraternity that you're in, you know, as a Wisconsin running back, the Melvin Gordons, the James White, and, and being able to talk to some of those guys and have their guidance, they were some of my biggest role models on being able to help me through my transition of going to high school and then going through college and then doing that transition to the NFL. I have a lot of athletes on this show. They all have people who help them, whether it's their agents or people that they have, who they've hired that kind of manage their investments and help them sort through the opportunities that are out there. Who's on Jonathan Taylor's team that helps you uh, manage your off the field stuff? So 100% my agent, Barry Gardner, has been amazing. Um, just as far as teaching me, I know a lot of times, like you mentioned, there are, guys who have people on their team who handle things for them. And I have a team, but my team is interested in educating. You know, if you have a team that educates you, that, that truly means that they are there for you, not just having you as a, as a using the, having you use them as a crutch and say, you need me in order to do these things you want to do. It's no, I know what you want to do. Let me teach you the process. So you understand fully what you're doing and how that transpire. So I think that being able to have a team around me that educates to help build my knowledge is something that's very vital for, for every athlete to have. Look at the NIL space right now. It's changed a lot, even since you left Wisconsin, which wasn't that long ago. Um, you know, 
Are you helping some of the other, you know, I see a lot of like pros going back to their alma maters and helping kind of navigate the space for the students coming up. But I'm wondering, like, did you take classes at Wisconsin that helped you understand business? So at the University of Wisconsin, um, I was a philosophy major, but it's, it's interesting now because usually you have to wait until you transition to the NFL to start experience this NIA name, image, likeness, you know, business side of the things. And now the, the kids are getting introduced to, introduced to it as young as, you know, high schoolers. You know, there are some high schoolers who had deals before they even step foot on the field. So I think that's super important to have some of these NFL veterans coming back to the alma maters to help guide these kids through this transition because there are a lot of kids that can get taken advantage of if they have, they don't know anything about, you know, the rules and the regulations on how these things work. So being able to, to educate these young kids on, hey, they're going to get introduced to some of these things a lot faster than you normally would. So let me help you. Here are some tips. Here are some guidelines to follow as you navigate through this space. All right. I got to ask you, as someone who played in the Big Ten, Big Ten just added USC and UCLA. What in the world is going on with college football? Those are going to be some long road trips. But what were your thoughts on that? I thought that it was really interesting because a lot of times you won't play some of those teams, especially being a Big Ten team, unless it's a bowl game, playoff game potentially. But I think it's interesting because now you get to have a lot of top teams around the country competing against one another multiple times a year rather than, you know, that one time, one off spin, maybe bowl game or something. But um, I think it's huge. It's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to put the Big Ten to the test. It's going to increase the, the the popularity of the Big Ten, which I'm always an advocate and a fan for because I think the Big Ten is the best conference in college football. Um, so I'm excited to watch the Badgers go up against all these new teams. So there's basically like two super conferences now, the SEC and, and the Big Ten. And I don't even know how they call it the Big Ten anymore when there's like 18 teams in the conference. But is that good for college sports when you've got two super conferences and then just kind of everyone else trying to compete? I think it does force other conferences to kind of elevate their gameplay and, and very quickly. Uh, one downside that I do see is that there may be some old college rivalries that you know, may be no more, or maybe they still keep those rivalries and somehow make a rule or keep that the same. But that's the only thing is there are just some traditions, some rivalries that you know have been longstanding for a very long time and are always classic games and you may not get those anymore. All right, I got to ask you about the Colts last year. What a season you had. As I said, you led the league in rushing, uh, 18 touchdowns. You've always been a tremendous running back, but last year you took it to a different level. What was it about last year that clicked for you that allowed you to become the best of the best? I think being able to really have a year under my belt, and not only myself, but the entire 2020 rookie class coming in with the pandemic. I mean, we're all learning new systems virtually. And then the first time putting them into effect were during training camp with NFL all pros and, and veterans. So after being able to have a lot of the playbook under my belt, I'm able to go out there and learn how to play the game at a high level, not just learning how to play the game at the NFL. Yeah, Frank Reich is an offensive-minded coach, so it's probably great playing for someone who really understands offensive schemes. And definitely, it's a huge help as well. Coach, Coach Frank is always trying to scheme up new ways in order to beat these new defenses because defenses are evolving now more than ever. I mean, they have freakish athletes on the defensive side of the ball. So 
scheme is going to be everything. What about Matt Ryan? He's your new quarterback. Have you had a chance to work with him a little bit? And, you know, you had two different quarterbacks in your season so far. Uh, what's it like integrating a new quarterback into the system? I mean, you just talk about the epitome of a leader, someone who you want to play for, someone who you want to be at your best for, and, and that's Matt Ryan. And, and he demands that. And I think that's what you need in order to get to where you want to go as a team and winning a championship. You need a leader that demands your best. And, and everyone wants to be at their best. And I think that um, having him in the building, there's just this energy, this aura around him. And I think it's going to be really good for us this year, man. Everyone's been working really, really hard. That's great. Just a couple minutes left. I know you've got to go. Um, other investments, other business interests. I have guys on and they talk about tech. They talk about, you know, restaurants, clothing, music. What are some other things that you're interested in as far as your investment portfolio? Um, so definitely in the tech space, that is a, a space that's already been growing for quite some time, but especially with the pandemic hitting, it kind of boosted that growth from exponentially, just forcing everyone to be using technology day in and day out for every single thing. So the tech space is definitely something that I've been really getting into now recently, um, especially due to the pandemic. But there are a lot of new technology out there that will be for the better good of society. And I think that, you know, if you're able to find the right one, it's going to be really good for you. All right. Let's end with this uh, Topper's Pizza. You know, I'm looking online and seeing the menu. There's like macaroni and cheese pizza. There's all these different kinds of pizzas. What's your, if, if you're designing your own pizza, what do you want on it? Well, I'm an East Coast guy from South Jersey. There's nothing better than me than a plain pepperoni slice of pizza. But I will say after being in Madison, being in with Toppers, the Buffalo chicken pizza is pretty good. Like that. And I'm not usually used to having a lot of different toppings on my pizza, but I will say the Buffalo chicken pizza is really, really good. Are we going to see you back there today? Are you going to be making some pizzas or are you front of house only shaking hands and kissing babies? No, that's definitely in the work. I'm a hands-on kind of guy. I love the work. I love the process. So being able to, to go through that process behind the scenes is something that I'm all in for. That's awesome. Jonathan Taylor, Pro Bowl running back with the Indianapolis Colts, franchisee with Topper's Pizza. Thanks so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And best of luck in the upcoming season as well. Thank you very much. I am on my Underdog Fantasy app every night. Underdog Fantasy is the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. It's the fastest growing fantasy app ever released with investors that include Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, Jared Goff, and many more. The Underdog Fantasy app is available at underdogfantasy.com on iOS or on Android. I love it. I play a lot of Pick'em. I do Rivals. There's Best Ball. It makes watching the games a lot more fun. So we've got a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. New users can get up to $100 matched on their first deposit when they use the code SBR. So download the app at underdogfantasy.com and then enter the promo code SBR to get up to $100 to play with. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. 
For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.